Whatever you do in this service this morning, I want you to keep the spirit and the attitude of worship that is here. Even though the Lord has moved mightily and there's great things happening during the worship service, the very will of God has not been fully accomplished. And I want to tell you, God wants to set some people free. God wants to bring healing in this place. The tongues and interpretation, everything, the whole thread of this service goes along with what the Lord has put into my spirit. I was going to preach to you on the Passover versus the communion, and, and I got about an hour of preaching, a 45-minute preaching, uh, in-depth study throughout the Old Testament, the symbolics, the typologies, and to try to explain. There's a lot of people that don't understand why we take communion and why what it all represents, and I'm not going to do that this morning. I'll be lucky to be up here 15 minutes because I feel like the Lord just wants me to get into one certain thing and then we're going to let the Lord have his way. How many is ready for that to take place here today? Hallelujah. If you'll just grant me the ability to try to obey the Spirit of the Lord here this morning, I'll not keep you, but we want to see this place have a divine, supernatural encounter with God. Amen. We already experienced it. We're already done. Now, don't get satisfied with them touches and those love touches of the Lord and that mercy. That Hey, God's got more for you right now. You've got to war for it. You've got to be ready for it. God wants to bring miracles in this place this morning. Can I have an amen? It's here. It's ours for the taking. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to start with verse 17, and I don't know how far I'm going to read down. I'm just going to go by the... The unction of the Holy Spirit, if that's okay. Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 17, if you'd stand for the reading of the word. <clears throat> now, the first day of the, now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where will thou that we should prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is in hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth, as it is written of them, but woe unto the man that whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, which would betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said in him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink of it new with you of my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask for your inspiration, your anointing, and your divine wisdom and leading in this service. And we give you the praise in Christ's holy name. Amen. You know, in our text, we are told of the meaning of the Passover meal to uh, the, the Jesus began to tell his disciples the meaning to the Passover meal. And you know, one of the things that I want you to understand, the disciples come to him and they begin to ask him, where should we eat the Passover? Where do you want us to prepare that meal? And Jesus says, just go to a certain, certain man, tell him the master has need of this, and so on, and they do, and they prepare the meal. But one of the things I want you to understand, this is going to be a different Passover meal than anything they've ever experienced before in their life. Because up to this point, you've got to understand what the Passover meal was. It goes all the way back to Egypt. 
It was a time when God began to pour the last and final plague out upon Pharaoh in order that Pharaoh might let the children of Israel go out of a 430 years of enslavement and bondage. And it was there that God said, okay, this final plague is going to do it. He said, I want you to know I'm going to send a death angel and every firstborn son of the Egyptians is going to be killed. And he prepares Israel and he tells Israel, he said, but you better kill you a lamb of the first year. It's got to be without spot. It's got to be without blemish. You kill it and you slay it and you take the blood of that sacrificial lamb and you put it on the doorpost above and on the side and when that death angel passes over, when it looks and sees that blood upon that doorpost, it will skip your house and your son, your oldest son, your firstborn son will be saved. And that's what we call a a Passover, uh, the Passover. And according to the scripture, they made a meal after that. They were to take that lamb when they got done sacrificing, they were to roast it with fire and then they were to take it and prepare it and eat it with bitter herbs and then bitter oh God help me we know that they took those bitter herbs and when they would taste that bitter herb it was a reminder to them that they lived 430 years in bitterness it was a sign of enslavement it was to bring back to their memory what they went through can I have an amen but then they were to eat it and they were to do it swiftly because that was a sign to show them how swift the judgment was going to come upon the land and they better be ready for your, their deliverance. And I don't know why, but I hear the Holy Spirit saying to me this morning, you better be ready for your deliverance right here in this service. You cannot be asleep. You cannot be procrastinating. You cannot be, you cannot be distracted. You cannot be hindered. You've got to pay attention because the Spirit of God is moving in this place and you cannot sit back there. You've got to be ready Just like Israel, they had to pack their bags the night before because the next morning there was going to be deliverance. And that was what the sign was. And here Jesus... Well, glory, hallelujah. And here's Jesus, and he takes them, and he's going to prepare the Passover with them. But there's something different that takes place in this Passover. Like no other Passover before, these Jewish people sat down, and they thought, well, let's get us a lamb. Let's sacrifice it. Let's prepare a meal. Let's get us some bitter herbs. And and when we do, it's a reflection. It's a memorial of where our forefathers were, how God delivered them. And it was a, a memorial of the deliverance and a testimony of the deliverance of God out of Egypt. Can I have an amen? But there's a greater Passover taking place. The Passover would soon turn into what we call the communion or the last supper of our Lord. Jesus sat down with them and said, hey, this is the last time that I'm going to be able to meet with you. And then he says, I want you to know, just as there was a sign in Egypt that said, you're going to have a Passover meal with me tonight, but tomorrow morning you're going to be delivered. You're going to be leaving Egypt. He said, even tonight is our last supper, but tomorrow morning real deliverance is coming to a land because I'm going by the way of a cross. Can I have an amen? And there was no bitter herbs there that night and I want to tell you why. Because when one is saved by grace through Jesus Christ, it don't remind us of our past. It gives us a promising future. There is no bitterness in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you tonight that even though the Egyptians were free 
from bondage and enslavement. They, they were not free people. You and I are free today because the Son of God, the true Lamb of God, he went by the way of the cross. He shed his blood and through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, he ripped the heavens. He literally destroyed Satan and got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he arose and you and I have total victory over everything. Hallelujah. Here in a moment, you know what they done when they left Egypt? The Bible says they sung the songs of deliverance and the songs of Moses all the way to the Red Sea. They sung. They celebrated for miles through a wilderness, magnifying God over their deliverance. And the Lord spoke to me over there a while ago and he said, why is it that my people treat the communion as a funeral service? This ain't a funeral service this morning. Hallelujah. He may have died, but he's not dead. If you haven't noticed, the tomb's empty. He's risen. We're serving a risen lamb here today. And Jesus sits down with his disciples and all of a sudden out of nowhere, he takes the unleavened bread, he breaks it, he gives to them and said, take, eat, this is my body that's been broken for you. They thought, what in the world is he talking about? This ain't got nothing to do with the Passover. This ain't how the Passover's done. Jesus then said, took up the cup, said, drink, this is the cup of my blood that's been shed for you. And then he tells them, eat and drink for as often as you eat and drink this cup and eat of this flesh. He tells them, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Now I like that, but I want you to stop and listen for just a moment. As he begins to give them instruction, he begins to explain to them, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, but they're dead. But he said, the bread that I am, I'm living bread. And whoever takes of me, he said, you'll eat and you'll never die. And you'll have the promise of eternal life. I love the scripture without this. Then he takes the cup and he tells them the importance how it's the, in the New Testament, the blood that's been shed for them. And he tells them without a shadow of a doubt that that blood is no lamb, just ordinary lamb. And I got all kinds of scriptures and I don't want to quote them and I can quote them, but I just want to get through this very simply. And that is that Jesus Christ, when he put the blood upon our lives, he didn't put it up on the doorpost of the church outside. He put it up on the doorpost of the inner heart. And let me tell you something, folks. We're not having to come in here this morning and have a lamb that's been roasted with bitter herbs and we look back to a bitter time in our lives but we have the blood of Jesus Christ that rules and reigns in our hearts and we look back to a time of full complete redemption we are saved we are saved we are completely delivered <laughs> hallelujah right now we're going to be taking communion and I told John, I didn't even know the Lord was going to do this. I told John, I said, John, at the end of the service, I want some celebrating music. We treat the communion as if it's a, 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 
a, a funeral sermon where we're coming to the funeral of Jesus. We don't need a false sense of humility here. Amen? I thank God for what he done. I, I'm appreciative. I'm in no way trying to not understand the full impact that Jesus what does Jesus' sacrifice that he do, that he that he done for us? But on the flip side of the coin, Jesus wants me to celebrate in the newness of life and not mourn about the past. He wants me to partake hold of the deliverance that's in the now and not about the testimony of the past. Can I have an amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Oh Lord, I wish. How many know through his death we live, through his curse we're free, through his stripes we're healed, through his sacrifice we're saved? You believe that this morning? And if the children of Israel can take of a Passover, eat of the bitter herbs, eat of the lamb, put the blood, and then watch the miracle of God take place, and they leave Egypt, they don't leave broke either, they spoil the Egyptians. And they leave Egypt and they go all the way across the wilderness rejoicing, singing the songs of deliverance and singing the songs of Moses. What are we to do here this morning? Hello? We're to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. We're not to be all tied up and bound and weeping about our past and weeping about what we've done. And Hey, we're forgiven. I don't know what's going on in your life. Do you got to examine yourself before you take communion? Absolutely. Why are you taking communion this morning? It's simply because we know that Jesus is our sacrificial lamb. We know there will never be another lamb offered because he's the only one true lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. We know that he was without spot and without blemish. He met all the qualifications and we got all the scripture bases to prove all of that. And when Jesus went to the way of the cross, I want you to know he paid for every sin that you've ever done, but he broke every curse that's upon your life. Cursed be the man that is on the tree. He took your curse. There's all kinds of sickness and disease, and through his stripes you are healed in the name of Jesus. Are you listening to me? And here was Jesus before the night that he would go and down the cross. Symbolic, he was saying, hey, if you'll go back in the time of Egypt when they stood there that night, they said, hey, we're taking the Passover lamb, the first Passover ever. It was the one that established the ordinance. It's the one that established the memorial. And it was saying, all right, this is the night before Egypt's going to be conquered. The, tomorrow your deliverance is coming. Jesus sat down with his disciples and said, hey, boys, the Passover's being fulfilled. And now it's going into what we call the Last Supper or the communion of the Lord. And he's saying, this is what the message is. It's the same as it was back then. Tomorrow your deliverance is at hand because tomorrow I go by the way of the cross. Tomorrow I'm going to die. Tomorrow I'm going to shed my blood. And it won't be the blood of a, a sacrificial lamb that will push your sins forward. It won't be a lamb that will appease a wrath for one year. But it will be a blood that will appease the wrath of God throughout eternity. It will destroy every yoke. It will break every stronghold. It will cleanse every leper. It will heal every sick and afflicted. It will do what it's sent to do. Because God sent his son not only to give life but to give it more abundantly. Jesus came to die and shed his blood. And when we take this communion, it's not a time only to look back and see the cross, but it's to look back and see the impulse of the cross, the impulse of redemption.
Can I have an amen? I want my ushers to come and give everybody a communion cup. Oh, hallelujah. There's an old song while they're coming. I looked it up. It's an old hymn that we used to sing at Dudley. I wish I could sing it. Here's what the old hymnal says. Sweet is the song I'm singing today. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. Trouble and sorrow have vanished away. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. Great is my joy. Now as I onward go, I am redeemed, I'm redeemed. All the way homeward, my praises shall flow. I am redeemed, I am redeemed. Precious indeed is my Savior to me. I am redeemed, I am redeemed. Happy and glory someday I shall be. I am redeemed, I'm redeemed. Here's how the course goes. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign, for I have been redeemed. Are you redeemed here this morning? I ask you, are you redeemed here this morning? I can't hear you, church. I'm gonna ask you again something. If the children of Israel who were only saved from physical bondage, if they could sing the songs of deliverance all the way to the Red Sea through the wilderness and their bad experiences, if they could see their songs of deliverance all the way up to the border of their promise, then how much more should we, the redeemed, be able to sing the songs of salvation through our wilderness experience and sing until we arrive home? Why do we not worship? Why do we come in with heavy hearts and allow the circumstances of life to dictate to us our joy, our happiness, come on, our attitude, and many times even our behavior. We come in here as a bunch of saints that say we're saved, but we, we don't show it sometimes in the way that we act. And you say, well, Brother Miller, you don't know what's all piled up on me. I don't care what's piled up on you. I'm here to tell you that if the children of Israel can rejoice all the way from the, the coast of Egypt all the way to the Red Sea through many multiple trials in their wilderness, knowing that they've been redeemed and they're happy about it from slavery. How much more as we face our wilderness experiences should we be able to worship in the face of adversity and declaring it does not matter how bad circumstances are is, I've got a redeemer that died for me and he has already delivered me from the pits of hell. He's pulled me up out of the miry clay. He pulled me out of the horrible pit. He put my feet up on a rock and established my goings. And therefore, no matter what happens to me, I shall rejoice because my redeemer liveth and I will show it and I will express it in my worship and in my gratitude and in my faith, I will declare in the face of my adversity, my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. I know, I'm sorry that I didn't get to preach my message this morning, but I had to obey the Lord. You got that cup in your hand, don't you? Now I want you to do me a favor. I want us to take it together. I want us, to, as many as we can, just gather up around the front. Come on, let's bring it together. Because we're going to do something marvelous here in this service. Oh, hallelujah. Start examining yourself. If there's any sin in your life, say, God, forgive me. If you're taking it for the wrong reason, say, I'm sorry, God. I don't want to take it for the wrong reason. I'm taking it. Just remember the Lord's death until you return. Hallelujah. 
I know everybody can't get up here, but you're, just get as close as you can. And in the aisles together. We're a family and we're taking it together. Now I want you to picture yourself as one of the 12 chosen disciples here this morning. I want you to picture me as Jesus. I know I'm not Jesus. I know I don't look like Jesus. I know I can't even be a match to Jesus. But I love it when he took the cup and he says, this is the fruit of the vine. I love that because I wished I could preach on that for about an hour. In other words, you and I are the fruit of the vine. He's the vine, we're the branches. In other words, we are partakers of his divine grace. That we're not who we are by ourselves, we're who we are because we're a product of who he is. Hallelujah. Isn't that marvelous? That I'm saved by grace through faith and that not of myself. It's been the gift of God. I am a fruit of his vine. I am saved today because I'm a partaker with Jesus Christ. Amen. You're here this morning recognizing by taking communion, you're the branch. He's the vine. He's the life giver. Without him, you're nothing. Without him, you're not saved. You're a product of grace. You're a product of, a product of his glory. You're partakers of glory divine here this morning. But picture yourselves. And I'm Jesus and I look at you this morning and you're a Jewish person expecting to eat on bitter herbs and eat roasted burnt flesh of a lamb. And you're looking to prepare yourself for something to take place tomorrow because God has promised tomorrow deliverance is coming and you're leaving Egypt. The excitement, but yet the fear of the unknown. Knowing there's gonna be a death angel come and pass over Egypt. And here you are, you've done made preparations, you've killed the lamb, you've examined the lamb. It's gotta be a lamb of the first year. It's gotta be without spot, without blemish. You take the blood and you go out and you put blood on the doorpost. And you know tonight, as God sweeps over Egypt, he's gonna look down and that blood is gonna appease the wrath of God and that blood is going to spare your life and it's given you a promising future of deliverance tomorrow. Oh wow, wouldn't you be excited? Now let me give you a different scenario. Jesus comes and wrecks it all. He says, boys, we're not having a normal Passover today. You see that unleavened bread? It had to be unleavened. Leaven is a type of sin. He said, take that unleavened bread and give it to me. And he gave it to him and he broke it. He said, this bread is my body in the New Testament broken for you. In other words, tomorrow morning deliverance is coming, but it's going to come by the way of what the price I pay. My body's going to be broken tomorrow. Tomorrow, he could have literally said, they're going to take me by the way of the judgment hall, and they're going to take the cat of nine tails, and they're going to strip my back. They're going to hit me 39 times according to prophecy. And every time they hit me, there's going to be seven strands. It's going to pull flesh and meat and bone off of, my, off of my body. He says, they're not going to stop there. They're going to spit on me. They're going to throng on me. They're going to take their teeth and they're going to gnash upon me. They're going to beat me to where I'm unrecognizable. He said, but then it ain't finished yet. They're going to put me on a cross. They're going to put holes in my hands. They're going to put holes in my feet. They're going to put a crown of thorns and pierce this sacred brow. And he said, but they're not going to know what they're doing. And I'm going to pray, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. But while they're doing it, they don't understand it. But they're literally providing the way of deliverance for you tomorrow. 
because tomorrow when I give up the ghost, I'm going to go down in the bowels of the earth. I'm going into hell itself. I'm going to go up to the throne room of the chambers of hell and look the devil smack dab in the eyes and say, give me, oh boy, the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he said on the third day, I'm going to rise again. But he said before that third day takes place, there's a bunch of saints that's kept the Passover for almost 6,000 years. He said, for 4,000 years, he said, all them people are held in a chamber called Abraham's bosom. He said, I got to deliver them too because that Passover was only symbolic of the Lord's Supper that shall come. And he said, I'm going to set them people free. And on the third day, I'm rising again. And that's going to be your believer's hope. That the very deliverance that God gave Egypt in a physical, natural way is the very spiritual deliverance that Christ Jesus has paid for you. You're free, folks. I said, you're free. You're free. You're not cursed. You're free. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are an inheritance among them that are sanctified. You are delivered. You are saved. You are forgiven. You are healed. You are no longer the oppressed. You are no longer the distressed. You are no longer, no longer the diseased. I'm here to tell you that God wants to break yokes off of the backs of the palace of praise and set us on a new course for the year of 2019. So pull back that wafer. Take that plastic off if you can get to it. Take that wafer in your hand. Break it. I got to have a communion cup. I don't have one. Thank you, Jimmy. So break that bread. Now when you do, remember that when you break that bread, that is your sin breaking the body of Jesus Christ on that cross. Break it. Now eat of it. Now this cup is the fruit of the vine. It represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary for you. So now drink of that cup. Hallelujah. Now as often as you do, you do remember the death of your Savior. And in remembering the death of your Savior, you're remembering all the testimonies that's tied to it. I'm free. I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm whole. I'm sanctified. I'm filled. I'm God's grace. I'm the pearl of great price. Come on, somebody help me preach. I'm the chosen. I'm the special. I'm the redeemed. I'm God's apple of his eye. And you know what? It's not time to mourn. It's time to rejoice. It's a time to sing the songs of Zion. It's time to magnify the Lord who saved you and set you free. Now begin to lift up. If you're diseased, praise God in the midst of your disorder. If you're hurt, Praise God in the midst of your storm. Ask God, say, God, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I shall live and not die. I shall be healed and not sick. I shall be whole and not afflicted. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sing, brother. Rejoice.
you to look at four or five people around you. There are all kinds of adversity in this building. There's sicknesses in this building. Misty Brooks needs a miracle of the Lord. Roxanne and Brad Carson need a miracle of the Lord. Greg Calhoun needs a miracle of the Lord. Becky needs still a miracle of the Lord. We can just go on and on and on. Uh, you know, we've had four or five people that's been diagnosed with cancer. That's a serious thing. I believe it's going to be broke today. By the way of the cross, it's broke. Come on, church. I said, by the way of the cross, the curse of disease is broke. Brother Randy West, our own associate pastor, has been heavily under an affliction, got back from Mayo Clinic, Barnes Hospital. He's got some results that ain't that good, but you know what? I believe the report of the Lord that says, Randy West, you are healed. In the name of Jesus, you're healed. We're not going to sit around and cry about our diseases. We're going to worship our way. We're going to worship our way through. Why? Because the deliverer's already died. The way of deliverance was the next day after he ate that last supper with his disciples. Through his stripes, we're healed. Can I have an amen? Peter said, through his stripes, you were healed in the past tense. It's already done. It's already accomplished. So we're going to claim hold of the promises of God. Eddie Sandridge had surgery over cancer. He needs a miracle. He needs a touch of the Lord. I go on and on and on of the people that's afflicted throughout our congregation. It's time to stop it. Amen. I want you to turn around to four or five people with you. And I want you to just start praying over them. Pray blessings on their family. Pray blessings on their children. They're going to and keep celebrating. They're going to keep singing. And that's the way we're going to dismiss as a family. Praying one for another. Would you do that right now? In the name of Jesus. 